0: The sun is bright. Good morning, everyone. Um, thank you both for reading. It's a joy to be back up here. Um, thank you for inviting me back to speak, Anton. Um, we'll see how we go. Um, but in all seriousness, let me pray. Let me ask that God would um, speak to us and that we would respond. So why don't you pray with me? Father, we thank you that these words that we have just heard re- word um, yeah, read out for us, they're not empty words, but these are words from your mouth and God, I pray now that as yeah we sit under them, as you speak to us through them, that you would do that powerfully, um, that you would illuminate them by your spirit, that you do a work in us to transform us to be like more like your son. Um, so would you have your way in our hearts this morning? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd encourage you to keep your Bibles open at 1 Thessalonians 1. We're going to spend all our time in there this morning. But to start off, I'm going to need you to work with me imagine you're an eight-year-old. Imagine you're an eight-year-old and it's the first time that your parents are letting you stay at home. You've got six hours alone to yourself before your parents get home. What do you do? Or more importantly, what words of assurance might you need? Um, For some strange reason, I was trusted to stay home alone uh, from an early age, so this was a, a real scenario for me. Um, might explain a lot about me. But there were multiple times in a day when I would need to call my parents, or they would need to call me and give me words of assurance. Um, I'd have to ask them questions like, "Can I put metal in the microwave?" or "If the smoke alarm's going off, what do I do?" This happened multiple times. Um, no joke. Um, am I doing this right? Should this be happening? I was a kid that needed words of assurance. And as people, I think we're, we're people that we, we all need words of assurance. Maybe you're an overthinker and you need words of assurance to help you in that overthinking. Maybe you need words of assurance to help you know if you're on the right track, if you're doing something correctly. You know, you might need assurance that your, ki- your chicken is actually cooked. You might need words of assurance that the noise coming from your car is normal and that you can keep driving. We're people that thrive off assurance. And so it leads me to ask us as a church what words of assurance do we need as a church? What words of assurance might we need as we wait for the return of Jesus? What do we need to hear when the doubts come? when the suffering hurts, when we're unsure of if we're on the right track. As we kick off our series in 1 Thessalonians, Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, we're going to see what he says to a church that has in mind that Jesus is coming back. Um, And as Anton mentioned, this church that Paul is writing to, they're mentioned earlier in the Bible in Acts 17. Um, They're a church that had heard the gospel from from Paul um, and saw many put their faith in Jesus. They were a young church. I can imagine conversations amongst the church of people going, like, How long have you been a Christian for? Some would have been days, weeks, months. So they were young in their faith and they were facing persecution and suffering. And at the same time, their leader, Paul, he's kicked out, he needs to flee. Um, And so he sends Timothy back to check on them, and he hears reports that the church in Thessalonica is doing quite well. Yes, there's a few doubts. Yes, there's a few challenges. But for a young church, they were doing quite well. In fact, if you look at verse 7, they were the model church. That's how good they were doing. So, what would they need to hear to be assured? to be assured that they're on the right path? How might they and how might we as a church be assured that things are going in the right direction? Well, as we kick off this series in 1 Thessalonians, we're going to see that the first thing that Paul has for the church to hear are words of assurance, words of encouragement. So what what assurance do we need to keep going? Well, the first thing is this. We need to know that God is the one we belong to. God is the one we belong to. The church in Thessalonica knew, and I hope that we know as a church, that if we trust in Jesus, we belong to God. Look at verse 1 with me. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, usually at the start of a letter, these are the verses we like to skip out on. You know, it's just a greeting. But you might miss something in this letter. Uh, Paul usually starts off his letters um, addressing the people or church in God in, say, like Ephesus or Philippi. But he says to the church of the Thessalonians that they are a church that is in God. Right from the start, they're a church that belongs to, to God. They belong to him. They're a church that's turned from rejecting God and going after false gods to putting their trust in Jesus. And it's because of that that Paul says they belong in God. They belong to God. And for us, it's a reminder that we don't belong to God based on how much we do for church, how often we attend Where our feelings are at with God on that day. But as verse 4 continues to unpack for us, we belong to God because out of his love for us, he chose us. It says, For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you. God has chosen you. The God of the universe, has poured out his grace on you. He's reached into your life and called you by your name. Not because you have it all together. Not because you have the best resume that appealed to him. Because the truth is that for all of us, we have nothing on our resume that God would be like, I want to choose them. In fact, it goes the other way. Everything we have on our resume about our life would say run. Run from him. Run from her. And yet God in his grace and his mercy out of his love for us still chose us, still chooses to elect us. Do you get this? If you're here today and you're exploring Jesus, firstly, it's so good to have you here. We're stoked that you're here And secondly, I'd love for you to keep exploring what this might mean for you. I'd love for you to keep exploring who God is, that you might encounter this God who longs for all people to belong to him. Because if we're people that belong in God, that belong to him, nothing that this world can say, nothing that this world can throw at us can trump the fact that he chose you out of his love for you. No amount of your feelings, your shortcomings, the situation you find yourself in can change that. You can have assurance that you belong to God. That's our first assurance that we can have as a church. And secondly, um, our second assurance is that we can trust that the Holy Spirit is at work. Um, Look at verse 4 with me. Um, It says, we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. God, by his Holy Spirit, is the one that brings power to the words of Paul. God is the one, by his Holy Spirit, that brought deep conviction to the Thessalonians. It's all God. God. Now, I'm sure you might have heard this idea that we can preach the gospel um, with just our actions, like we don't need words. Um, But Paul goes further here and says, no, you need not only your words, but you need the power of God. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to work through these words. This is what happened in the church in Thessalonica when the gospel was preached, It's what happened when people became Christians. And in verse 6, it's what happened when they welcomed this message amidst suffering with joy. There's no other explanation for this other than the supernatural work of God by the Holy Spirit. And yet I think there can be this expectation that we have of if God's working powerfully at you by his Spirit, then big things need to be happening right. You know, you need big feelings. You might need tongues. You might need prophecy for that to happen. And yes, God has worked through these things. But the truth is that the Spirit of God is at work in what might seem ordinary ways to us. The Spirit of God's at work in what might seem ordinary ways, but huge ways. Like people trusting in Jesus. Followers like you trusting Jesus in God, still finding joy in God despite suffering. That's the spirit at work. Um, Back in 2018, a few of us from Night Church, we went on a mission trip to Southeast Asia. um, And we spent a lot of time with two missionaries out there. um, And they had been there for more than a decade, and they had this simple vision. Um, They had this vision that 12 people would trust in Jesus, would put their trust in Jesus over five, over the next five years. Like it sounds like a pretty achievable vision, um, and yet as we spent more time with them, seeing what they did, hanging out with them, chatting over meals, um, I clearly remember the struggles they shared with us. The suffering, the opposition, the spiritual warfare only for them to see one person put their trust in Jesus. Um, But what they said next struck me. We were sitting at this dining table at night, and they said, despite that, despite what it might look like, they're going to continue to go after this vision, even if it doesn't look likely. And they said they're going to do that because they've seen God at work in the past, and they're going to trust that he's going to be at work again. I tell you this because these are two people that live out, lived out of trust in the fact that God is the one at work. Not them, not their actions, not their words. God is ultimately the one at work. He's ultimately the one who's at work by his Holy Spirit and he's going to continue to do so. And as I look out here in front of me, I see a bunch of people that do the same. I see people that trust that God's going to be at work in their families. I see people that trust that God is going to be at work in their workplaces. People that trust that God's going to be at work in loved ones who don't know him. People that trust that the Spirit's at work in others' hearts. And I'd love to stand up here and rattle off examples I'd love to go and look at each person and give one example of how I've seen this. And if I do, we're going to be here for a while, and you've all got places to be. But I want us to be assured of this. Let's trust that God is the one at work by his Holy Spirit. We can be assured in the fact that God is the one who we belong to and God is the one at work by his Holy Spirit. And yet, before I move on to the final thing that we can find assurance in, I want to make sure this comes across really clearly. Because I'm going to talk about us doing things as a church. Um, And that can come across with a few dangers, that we base our salvation in our works, that we find confidence in our works. And to that, I, I actually want to say we aren't just to be a church that knows. We aren't just to be a church that knows things That knows a lot, that scribbles down an A4 page of sermon notes each time. Like, that's great. Don't get me wrong. But a church, we aren't just to be a church that knows a lot, but we're to be a church that works for God. Because what we do matters. What we do matters. It's not saying that we do things to be saved but we do things because of what God has done for us. We do things that others might encounter this God that we belong to, this God that's been at work in our lives and in the lives of others. I think I see it far too often, both in myself and in others, this, we find it a tough slog. It's a tough slog to live for Jesus, to serve Jesus, to do good works for him. It can be easy for us to look to our worldly treasures to fill us up. We work, we labour hard at paying off the mortgage, getting into a relationship, looking Instagram worthy. We want to present this model to others. But then we neglect to look at our spiritual lives. And yet here in this passage, when we see that when we know we belong to God that we can trust that he is the one at work in us and through us, that is what fuels a fire to focus on our spiritual lives. That is what fuels a fire for us to do good works for God and towards others. Like we see it in verse 3, look at verse 3 with me. It says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, labour prompted by love, and endurance inspired by our hope, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Their works came out of their faith. Their labour for God, it comes out of a love for God. And their endurance, it comes out of their certain hope that they have in God. So being reminded of that, our final thing to find assurance in is us being a church that continues to witness to others. Uh, verse 6 says this You became imitators of us and of the Lord, and so you beca- became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. What an image! What an image this is. Here are people so far away from this church in Thessalonica who are talking about the way that they live out their lives for God, who are talking about Jesus because of the way that the church in Thessalonica has witnessed, both with their words and their lives. A church that has simply imitated the Lord, imitated Paul as he lives out a life for God. Could you imagine that here in North Epping? Just imagine with me. We're doing a lot of imagining this morning. But imagine this with me. You know, you're out in the community and people are saying, have you heard about that church on the corner? Yeah, like they have a weird sense of humor, but they love Jesus and they love others so well. Could you imagine that? Um, As I shared earlier, I'm at Bible College now and every second conversation I have with someone often comes to remind me of, you know, what church you're at again. And, you know, you say All Saints North Epping and they go, and then you move on. But I'd love for us, not just here at All Saints, but I'd love for us as a church here in Sydney and the wider church to be ones where people can say, oh, yeah, I've heard of that church. I've heard about that one. The one where they take care of um, the weak really well. The one where they love each other really well. The one where every word, every action points to Jesus. Well, I'd love to hear something along the lines of verse 9, and um, that says, they tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. What an assurance it would be to hear that as a church. You know, oh, I, I remember um, this person from All Saints. She, she used to go after money or popularity or control or success, but now, but now I've seen in her that she goes after the true and living God. How good would that be? Now, I focused a lot on living out our lives, witnessing here through our lives, and I don't want us to lose the importance of proclaiming the gospel with our words. And it can often be a a tricky balance, right? We want to witness to others with our words, but also with our lives. So what does it look like? Um, So here's a quote from a theologian, theologian John Stott, um, that I think helpfully points us to how We can balance this, how we can witness with our words and our lives to others. And he says this No church can spread the gospel with any degree of integrity, let alone credibility, unless it has been visibly changed by the gospel it preaches. Now, don't get me wrong, this isn't easy. In hearing these words, I can personally say it's a rebuke for me. Do people look at my life and go, yeah, everything he does, everything he says is on about Jesus? Because the truth is, it it isn't. It's not the case all the time. I know it, and I'm sure we all know it as well, that we can often feel the weight of this. We come to passages like this in 1 Thessalonians and we go, you know, I can't live up to that. My life doesn't reflect it. And to that I want to say this. God is at work in us. Remember that from earlier. It's not our strength that does it, that turns us from idols to the true and living God that witnesses to others, but it's his. We're not an end product, but we're in progress with the help of the Holy Spirit. So yes, there's going to be days when our words and lives that they're going to really witness well, that people are going to look at you and go, yeah, they're all on about this true and living God, they're all on about Jesus. But then there's going to be days when you are not a model at all, when you are not witnessing to God. There'll be days when we turn from idols, but there'll be other days when our hearts come back to those idols. And yet we can find assurance that we can be people to continue to witness to others. As we use our words, as we use our lives, and as we have the power of the Spirit at work in us. As a church, we can find assurance that we're on the right track if we're people that witness to others, no matter the times we fall short. Now, I don't know where you might find yourself today, the doubts you might have in your faith, what's happening in your lives, but hopefully you've come to see the assurance that God gives to a church like us that is waiting for Jesus to return. The assurance to know and be fueled by the fact that he has chosen you. that Out of love, he has chosen you and you belong to him. That he is the one at work in powerful ways in us by the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we can continue to witness to others. Let me pray that this might continue to happen for us here at All Saints. You join with me. Father, thank you that you have chosen us. Thank you that yeah, you yeah, looked at us, and despite what our, our lives um, witnessed and reflected, you still chose us out of love for us. Thank you that you're at work in us powerfully by your Holy Spirit. And thank you that you choose to work through us that we might witness to others and see them come to know you. God, it's, it's not easy, but help us when it's not easy to come back to the fact that you're at work in us that the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in us. Would we be a church that imitates your son? Would be be a church that points others towards you? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.